On your feet, Racer Nation, you're in the home of 28 conference titles, 18 conference tournament championships, five NCAA tournament wins, 14 All-Americans, nine NBA draft picks, and the newest tradition in the MVC. This is episode three of season two of the Racer Nation podcast. Racer basketball is officially back, and it's time that you guys meet the team. We're going to break down the entire roster this episode and are looking forward to an awesome, awesome week as we head into racer basketball. Let's go. This is Racer Nation. Welcome to the bank. Racer Nation, welcome back. Episode 33 of the Racer Nation podcast, episode three of season two. And we are here we are here. We're going to see live racer basketball this week. We've got um, the St. Louis University game coming up. That's going to be a huge, huge opener for the team, a huge test. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the game or in the I'm already talking about games a little bit later in the podcast. Right. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the secret scrimmage, quote unquote, secret uh, that everybody knows about that happened this past Saturday. That's going to be at the end of the podcast as well. So little little treat to keep everybody sticking around. But really, the bulk of this show is going to be meeting the racers. So this is something we did last year and got a lot of good feedback off of. But what's the new team look like, right? 90% of the roster is new. And so this episode is going to be extremely important that everybody knows, everybody listens, listening is going to know who, who you're looking at out on the court in the blue and gold. So really looking forward to diving into these guys. We've gotten to to know them a little bit, know their playing styles, know what they're going to look like for us. And, uh, you know, we're here to tell you about it. So wrapping up last week, we had a great episode with Jack and Coach Twan. Uh, those guys were awesome, great, great interviews, heard a lot of great feedback about that. Um, and we'll go ahead and bring in Logan Sawyer, you guys, uh, just a quick uh, – the feedback you guys have heard from from that episode i know a lot of people loved it to give the get a little inside look um at the team yeah i think it was really important for us to have a couple guys from the staff on and who knows maybe maybe we'll have coach christian or coach maddox on soon but um with a brand new staff we talked last week about how everybody has seen jack but uh getting to know him a little bit and getting to know coach antoine was really cool uh heard a lot of great things a lot of a lot of fans reached out and said they liked it and liked the kind of back and forth we had with them. So really glad they came on and I'm glad to get to know them. And hopefully next time we can have a couple of Twan Temples and uh, break bread with those guys and, and learn a little bit more about their philosophies on racer basketball. Everybody I talked to really enjoyed it as well. They they liked getting to, to hear the behind the scenes insider information we normally don't get to hear. But I think more importantly, they just like to get to know them as people. So um, last episode really accomplished all of that. Um, was really excited that everyone was so uh, so excited to hear what they had to say and, and really enjoyed uh, what they got in those two guys. And are looking forward to making uh, strong relationships with those guys. So I was glad to have them on. And Logan, like you said, I'm excited to talk to uh, future assistants um, coming up in the next few weeks or so. Well, we promised you guys in episode one of the of the season that we were going to get some new stuff and that was definitely new for us so really appreciate the connections we've been able to make and get those guys on and like we said open the door hopefully you know we'll we'll see if uh we did a good job or not depending on uh, who we get on the podcast next right so um hopefully that that turns out well for for us and 
for you guys listening in the future. So uh, let's roll right into it, guys. We had a big, big homecoming week, 100 years for Murray State. We got to got to all three be there, experience the parade, Tent City, the football game, all the other stuff that goes along with, you know, seeing everybody back from college and, and all those fun days. And, and Logan, you were the only one on the podcast uh, really looking forward to the football game. So, uh, you know, I think it turned out pretty well for you, right? Uh, yeah, uh, love Tent City and stuck around for a little bit of the football game. Just a big football guy over here. And, you know, some of our listeners will understand it was a good run we had and glad the racers pulled out a victory. Um, it, big for us to do it on homecoming. I know that it was important for us to not only do it in front of all of uh, the old players and coaches that came back and old alumni, but uh, also to get a win over Eddie George. It's pretty cool. Sawyer's buddy. So really enjoyed Tent City. Unfortunately, Friday night uh, stayed out a little too late and missed our sponsors uh, special from last week. So did not get to call in Baldies, but appreciate those guys for setting us up and giving our listeners a good promo code and helping out a, a small little podcast in Murray, Kentucky on homecoming. Well, Sawyer, we, we have to imagine that that Eddie was devastated. I, I imagine you were able to talk to him after the game and, and catch up. Uh, what what was what was his thoughts after you know taking taking a big loss to for the racers first win of the year? He was excited to help us out, and if he was he told me if he was going to lose to anybody, he wanted it to be to us since this was my team and since we're so cl- such close friends. So I thought that spoke really highly of his character that he was such a great guy that he he let us uh, let us take one from him there. But the racers really beat him on all cylinders um, on Saturday, which was exciting to see. Uh, he did not give that to us. They they fought hard and won, and now they've got one under their belt. I can I expect the racers to maybe win maybe two or three more the rest of the season, one or two more. So uh, we'll we'll see where where the rest of the season goes, and hopefully end on a high note to head us into the Missouri football conference, which we know is a different animal. Yeah, for sure. There, I know we don't talk a lot about football on this podcast, but um, hopefully, uh, maybe not a season to turn around, but at least, like you said, in on a high note, hopefully build some momentum, get some people back from injuries, all that good stuff going into the tall, tall task that will be um, 23, uh, 2023 for the Murray State football team. So um, with that, that's probably the last we'll talk about football for the rest of the year. And let's get to basketball, right? So let's just dive right into it, guys. We talked about the roster breakdown that we're going to hit. And and before we do that, sorry, I just forgot. Quick programming note. Uh, we are recording this on Monday night of Halloween. So we all stu- we're all stuffed up on candy. Logan Logan got some good trick-or-treating in and, uh, you know, was able to, you know, get some full-size candy bars. He knows the the good neighborhoods to go to. Uh, Logan, what, what, you were kind of late coming coming into the podcast. What, what were you trying to hit Dairy Queen for the last time or – yeah, ironically enough, we didn't get a single trick-or-treater at uh, at my door. And so me and the old lady, the old ball and chain, we decided to go and venture on out to Dairy Queen. We were going to get some ice cream on the last night of uh, the year for Dairy Queen. And lo and behold, I guess Justin Morgan hit too many ice cream shots this summer because they were all out. Uh, so that was kind of unfortunate. It was just a little late and missed out on that, but you know, happy for uh, loyal listener Hal Kemp and uh, 
the the Dairy Queen team for having a very successful weekend. I'm sure that they sold enough this weekend at homecoming. Oh, we're definitely appreciate, appreciative that you're able to push through uh, not being able to get ice cream to at least come in and wrap up the podcast. But anyways, back what I, I was saying is we're recording this on Monday night, so we're not really going to be able to. I know this will come out on Friday like always, so probably not going to be much Brescia talk here. Not sure there would be anyways with Wednesday night, uh, but it's going to be a great opportunity to watch the racers. I think we're going to see a win there. Uh, let's just Let's just say we won – 108 to 67. So if you're listening to this on Friday and didn't keep up with the game, your racers won by 41 points. Uh, started off the season with a cover, 108 to 67. Uh, Justin Morgan had 32 points, and Rod Thomas had a triple double. <laughs> oh, love it, love it. That's uh, can't believe that happened, Logan. Uh, it's a, just a great, great showing from the racers on Wednesday night. So. A uh, little programming note there to, to, to wrap everybody in where we're at. So uh, let's get into it, guys. And Logan, the guy you just said that had the triple-double on on Wednesday night is the first guy we're going to talk about. So the only senior on the team, the heart, the soul, we call ourselves the Rod Pod for a reason. And this is the guy we're going to start out with. Number 25 for the racers, six-foot senior out of Paducah, Kentucky, the hometown hometown kid, Mr. Rod Thomas. What more can we say about the guy, uh, Sawyer? Rod is is the epitome of a Murray State racer and a guy who stuck around and been the heart and soul. You heard Jack talk about it last week when they're going around talking to the students. Um, they can't get enough of Rod Thomas, and and it just shows his character, right, off the court, but even on the court the leader that he's turned into everybody loves rod it's it's so exciting to hear anytime he comes into the game the ovation that follows and he backs it up with the output on the court i mean he's anytime he's in the game he's scoring he's getting people involved he's getting the rebounds um he's got to be the all-time leading scorer among walk-ons you have to think um we'll have to get logan to check the stats on that one to double check us but oh yeah i think he's confirming um, he had his nose in the in the stat book there, so uh, that's where he likes to keep it. Um, so Rod is, like you said, Austin, he's the epitome of a racer. I think he really does feed, he does provide the team with, with a lot of juice that they feed off of, and I just love seeing him get involved. And when he comes in the game, everyone's on the edge of their seat, uh, and it's normally in a time when the game is usually out of hand. Um, so that just makes the game so much more fun from an enjoyment standpoint to watch. Um, sets the bar high for any uh, racer walk-ons moving forward and we all that is said he is the greatest walk-on in Murray State history and Zach Hopewell a very very dear friend of the podcast um, was a walk-on just a few years ago so that's saying quite a bit yeah you know I was thinking earlier today what if we had a Mount Rushmore of just our guys and of course Justin would be on there Jay Nemo would be on there uh, I think Braxton would be on there but unequivocally rod thomas is the head of the snake he is he's the first man on the list he's george washington in this case you heard coach antoine last week talking about how they were going around to fraternities and sororities and how rod is just universally loved and and well thought of and you know austin we were at homecoming this weekend and we see rod's family it, it's just so cool that they're so bought into murray state 
I believe his sister is, I'm not sure if she's still in high school or not, but she's committed to play for Murray State as well. And just thinking 25, 30 years down the line, Rod Thomas is going to be coming back with his kids at Murray State. And they just love it so much. And we're so appreciative of Rod. Um, hopefully we can have some games here soon, especially Wednesday night where we get up a little bit and get Rod in the game, get the crowd going. It'd be a great way to start the year. You make a great point there, Logan. I was going to say the same thing is uh, as sad as this senior night's going to be at the end of the year when Rod's leaving, we're able to usher in a new heir with his sister, Destiny Thomas, out of Paducah Tillman coming in to play for Rochelle. And that's who uh, Rod's parents were with over the weekend. We And I got to talk to Rochelle for, for a couple minutes and, and, and wish them good luck for the season. But I think she's really good, too. So going to be a great addition to the Lady Racers team. But uh, hopefully she will be as universally loved as Rod is. So um, we're really excited to see what he can do his senior season. I mean, when he gets in the game, he scores. He scores points. And so there's no doubt that he's going to make an impact this year uh, for the Racers. Let's move on to the junior class. And this is when it starts to, to expand a little bit, right? And so I just went down to list them out by number. And the first one we're going to talk about, going to be wearing number two for the racers this year, junior out of Oak Ridge High School down in Florida. And we've had some players from Florida before that have worked out really well for a six foot four junior out of Orlando, coming in at 210, played at Stetson before he came to Murray State, Mr. Rob Perry. Rob's a guy that comes in with probably the most experience on the on the team from a college ba- from a Division One college basketball standpoint. Um, DJ Burns probably gonna gonna fight him for for overall minutes, but as far as making an impact for his team on the offensive side, DJ did a lot of great things for the Racers last year defensively and and hustle plays. But as far as a pure scoring standpoint, uh, Rob is gonna is probably going to be the guy this year right and it just uh you know coincidence that it's he's the second guy we're talking about but i know sawyer you're you're always the stat guy so you probably got a lot of those stats from stetson so i'm gonna i'm not gonna steal your thunder there but um, i think he's gonna be a guy that's gonna see significant playing time for the racers most definitely we'll see him in the starting lineup and sawyer how about you tell us some of those stats that back up my my claims right there well, Austin, I think the stats are really important when you look at Rob Perry, but I think the thing that's most important for him is that, and for all the players on this list that we go through on the roster, is that this offseason, Coach Prom had to completely rebuild the whole program, essentially. He had to go out and try to find the best guys from a talent perspective, but also from a culture perspective. And I think that with Rob, Rob Perry, you check both boxes in an excellent way. Um, over the summer, I got to go to some of the camps and also Racer Hoopalooza. And Rob was one of the guys who was constantly on the microphone, having fun with the kids, having fun with fun with the fans and the alumni and bringing everybody together. And I think that from a locker room standpoint, he's going to be awesome to have on this year's team. Just another fantastic member of Racer basketball that the fans are going to fall in love with. And so you know that from a character side, but then Austin, when you get to the stats, um, they back it up in a major way as well. Um, he's not just an 1,000-point scorer. He scored over 1,100 points in two seasons at Stetson. Um, that's incredibly incredible accomplishment as a coming in as a junior. And Stetson, you know, they're in the A-Sun, but not historically a great basketball powerhouse. He was doing a lot of that um, by himself. Um, so he did. He was outstanding as a freshman, was the A-Sun, freshman of the year. And I think the best thing I can say about him is over the summer when I was doing some research on who we who who these guys were that we got out of the portal – one guy that I was consulting 
um, was former racer assistant coach James Kane, and he had his stamp of approval. So uh, just knowing that, having that in the back of our back pocket, um, knowing that for about him um, was was great. Made me feel a lot better about the addition. And Logan, I know you've got to see him play a little bit too, but just trying to get to know Rob as a player, uh, who he is, I think the easiest way to say it is just that he's a scorer. Yeah, one thing I'll say about Rob is you can just tell he knows how to play the game. He's doesn't really have any weak points on offense. He's very physical, uh, about six foot four and just a stocky guard. Uh, not lazy, but reminds me a little bit of James Harden in a way. It's like, how is he getting past all these people, getting to his spot and scoring at will? Um, on defense, it's not just his ability to to defend and defend bigger guys like we talked about last week with Coach Antoine, but he has a fire in him. I, I watched him this uh, summer go back and forth with DJ, and he was basically telling him, you know, DJ, you're the only one that stayed back that played from last year, but I'm here to play too, and I love the fire, them going back and forth at each other. Um, just shows that he's got heart, and he's coming here to win. So love having that guy on our team. Um, I think having such a strong junior class like we've got led by Rob and DJ and, and Jamari, uh, Quincy as well as we'll get to, it's just going to be a, a big thing for our program. Uh, hope to keep those guys together. And, you know, if we can keep them together and playing co- cohesive basketball for two years, uh, we'll be pretty tough to beat. I was trying to go through and think about different player comps for a lot of these guys. I don't really like player comps because I don't want to compare one player to another, but I think from a style standpoint, that's kind of how I approached it. And I really struggled with somebody for Rob, but I think James Harden is perfect because the reason why I say that is I watch James Harden all the time and he's one-on-one a lot. And he just, he, he makes such shot. He makes so many shots with such a tough degree of difficulty and makes them look so easy. And that's the thing that I appreciate the most about James Harden. And I think the same principles apply for Rob Perry. So awesome, awesome uh, comparison there. Logan, you, you said he was a guy who's a winner, right? Uh, led, his, led his team to the Florida State Championship in high school. Those are the guys we love to get here at Murray State. And like you said, a guy that's going to lull you to sleep and then drop 30 on you, which he did in a Division One basketball game against Florida Gulf Coast just uh, last year in 2021. So a proven score at the highest level. Uh, I, I remember when we watched him, Kenny Kenny was like, he was sitting next to us, Kenny Roth. He said, this is a guy, as soon as he steps across half court, you better have a hand in his face because he, he'll shoot it from the logo and he will hit it from the logo as well. So just dangerous on all three levels of the floor. All right, another guy in the junior class that Logan just mentioned, uh, number 10, Quincy Anderson is going to be a junior, 6'4", out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin, 205-pound uh, guard, uh, played at Minnesota State in the Division II ranks, a guy that played with a uh, former player of, of C-Proms at Iowa State. I'm sure we'll get into that, um, talking about Quincy, but um, Logan, you, you're going to talk a lot about more about their playing styles, but uh, when you and I went and saw him this summer, this was a guy who was the best player on the floor, uh, I thought, and you agreed with me as well. He really showed out uh, Quincy Anderson, a guy who could score, really poured in from behind the three-point line. Uh, we talk about this Division two, Division two players. Um, sometimes it takes them a second to really find that speed of the game. Uh, but to me, Logan, 
he was a guy that was just mixing it up with everybody. He didn't look a step slower. Uh, he didn't look scared to do anything. When he shot, when he caught the ball, he made a move and was looking to score. Just a guy who was uh, really impressive to me. Yeah, so we had a episode right after Sawyer and I went and watched them play the first time, and I think Quincy was probably one for 11 from the field and just really struggled to shoot the ball. Um, but it was encouraging to see him, you know, not get discouraged and still shoot and, and be aggressive. And I think that's what we said on the podcast is had a tough day, but um, if he can get a shot to fall, then he'll be a really good player. And when Austin, as you alluded to, you and I went back, he did hit every shot. Uh, I, I think that um, we texted Sawyer midway through the scrimmage and said, this is a totally different player than we saw last month. Um, but Quincy, he's got good size. When I think of him in Coach Prome's offense, I think of him as like one of those guys that's a core piece of that uh, famous 2012 team we've got that isn't the star, but he's going to he's gonna put in eight to ten points and give you what you need every night. And so um, really glad to have Quincy. I watched two minutes of his tape. Tape looked good. Uh, didn't look great the first time, but if he can keep producing like he did uh, when Austin and I went and watched, uh, Racer Nation is going to fall in love with Quincy Anderson. If my timeline is right, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Quincy was one of the first additions to Coach Prom's uh, recruiting class, his first time back here um, running the racers. So to me, that tells me this is that Quincy was a guy that the coaching staff identified early on, Logan, like you mentioned, and really wanted to get on board and really push for his commitment because he was one of the first ones that we had signed. So I think the coaching staff really likes him. Uh, I think he's definitely going to be in that starting rotation um, to start the season somewhere close to it. And Logan, I, I like what you said there because kind of the way that I see him is he kind of his playing style reminds me of uh, of like a combo of like a Jeff Moss and a Tyler Rambo, some like a guy who's a slasher score, um, not someone who's going to carry the load every night, but is really good about getting inside, but also really dangerous from the outside. So just kind of from a stylistic standpoint, those guys made their living on the outside of going in um slash kind of like a slasher combo type of guy do you kind of see that too or, or what are you thinking there yeah that makes sense and i don't know if it's the fact that he's a six foot three six foot four guard and a lefty but uh i just thought Jawan long i know he's not as good defensively as Jawan long which nobody really was but um I could just see him getting in the lane and hitting a really important floater someday. I'll just say that. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. I wasn't thinking as much Juwan's side, but we know that Jeff Moss was like the king of the floaters. And like somebody would try to take a charge, he would hit it, but he would always get, they would always get charged for a block. So it wouldn't be a charge. So um, those are the, the, the memories that I thought back on. And I was trying to piece it together, and I was like, man, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Jeff Moss from the lefty side. And then Tyler Rambo just kind of made his career at Murray State about cutting to the basket and scoring on baseline drive. So kind of remind me a little bit of that as well. Um, but I think that he's very different in a lot of ways from both of those players. But from a stylistic standpoint, I think that's how he's going to play the game from his approach. I know that the great thing I love about Quincy is his family. I've already seen that, you know, his mom and dad have been really interactive on social media from the racer side. So uh, I really think that we've added another tremendous family uh, to the racer nation. If we're throwing out. More more uh, comps. I could even see him playing a role of like Carter Collins last year, right? 
not a guy who's going to pour it in on the offensive side, but does all the little things. He's been playing college basketball. You know, he doesn't have those four years like Carter did, right, or three years of playing. Uh, but he's going to have – he just seems like he has that same type of basketball knowledge. And like I said, played high school basketball with Tyrese Halliburton, who went on to play for, for Coach Prome at Iowa State. And Tyrese is doing uh, just okay in the NBA right now, right? Just okay. I'll let you guys – let you guys figure that one out but a career 37 percent free three three point uh shooter pretty solid you know that's a number that we like to see at murray state let's move on to the next junior in, a, in the class and a another guy we're probably going to see in the starting lineup guys he's going to be wearing number 52 for the racers this year six eight i'm out of jonesboro georgia by way of queens a tremendous division two program it's going to be none other than Mr. Jamari Smith. Jamari is not a guy that we've been able to see a lot of basketball up from publicly, right? We didn't see him at the at the Racer Mania a couple weeks ago as, as he was sidelined with an injury, but uh, that was more of a precaution thing. We we kind of understand that he was probably ready to go. He played in the the, the scrimmage, the team scrimmage, just a couple days after that. So um, the Racer fans hadn't got to see a lot of Jamari, uh, but we talked really highly of him. And I think that's for good reason. And, and Sawyer, when, when, he, when we see Jamari uh, either Wednesday night or when we see him suit up for St. Louis, uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to be in the starting lineup for the racers. Absolutely. And you mentioned he's from the D2 ranks. And I, I want to say something here because uh, Queens College is actually Division One this year. Um, so they're in the A-Sun this year, part of the same conference as Eastern Kentucky, Stetson, um, Jacksonville State, uh, Austin P. a lot of those teams. So – you know, they've been prepping for D1 for a long time. So now that they're D1, he's essentially like a D1 transfer. He's, there's not much of a difference. So I think that there's a little bit of a stigma that comes with not being a Division I uh, transfer. And he's he pretty much qualifies in my book. So he checks that box. Um, but, yeah, Austin, I agree with everything you said. He's definitely going to be in the starting lineup. He's going to be the uh, – he and DJ Burns are going to anchor the front court for us. Um, some I think that he's got, you know, tremendous – low post ability uh, from his ability to score around the basket, but also be really nifty with his post move. We saw that a lot in pickup over the summer, but something special about him too. That's been really unique about the, the, the bigs we've had over the past few years, whether it be KJ Williams, Terrell Miller jr. Um, and the list goes on in the past, but he's really a guy who can stretch the floor, very comfortable from behind the arc. And I think that um, all those things added together makes him an intriguing um, prospect for the racers to me visually he kind of reminds me in Logan O'Year basketball Benny you'll remember this guy but a guy like Devontae Kaycock from UNC Wilmington he led all of college basketball for the past two years in rebounding I don't think that Jamari will lead the MVC necessarily in rebounding his first year but he was so fun to watch anytime that they were on I was always watching because it seemed like there was a magnet in his hands for the basketball and Anytime he had a player on an island, he was scoring at will. Um, so really uh, a tremendous guy. And over the summer when we talked about Jamari a little bit, he kind of reminded us of Wayne Langston. And I think that's because of the the low post uh, IQ and his ability to score around the basket. Um, Logan, what do you see in, in Jamari? Yeah, I, I can echo all the same points that you just made. But one thing that stuck out to me, uh, especially when you were talking just now about how he's essentially a D1 transfer, um, watching him this summer, he had a bigger uh, matchup. Like he was going against Marlon, uh, who's six foot nine, six foot ten, big, strong guy, and a lot of what he's going to see in the Missouri Valley. 
And so I was kind of curious to see how he would react to playing against, against a bigger guy in the post. Um, and usually when you have guys from Juco or division two, it takes them a little while to get going. And Jamari was very patient when he got the ball down on the low block. And even though he had a bigger guy on him, it didn't really phase him at all. He was able to get to his spot, get whatever shot up he wanted to. And it seemed like uh, he always had that touch around the rim to where it would go in. And so um, I think in the first couple games we saw him, Sawyer, he was a little passive. And I was I was a little disappointed at first because I thought, man, this guy's supposed to be the guy down low. And then he started to turn it on. And I saw where all that potential that everybody was talking about uh, was coming from. He's he's really special. Um, hope he can stay healthy throughout the year because, like you said, he's our anchor down low. We got to have him on the floor. He's a guy that shot over 50% from the field in his college career so far. Uh, just last year, out of their 34 games, he scored double figures in 33 of them. And he, he's had a 30-point game as well, a couple of them actually. So a guy who can really pour it in offensively. And like we said, from a couple different levels on the floor, that's Jamari Smith. One more thing about Jamari is, uh, I don't know if we talked about this over the summer or not, I can't remember, but his cousin is Jabari Smith. So was widely regarded as the number one prospect in the NBA draft last year. Slipped a little bit in the draft, but is now a part of the Houston Rockets. So that's really uh, an awesome trivia piece as well we can add to uh, the Racer family because I think that now now Jabari is just an extension of that. So really cool. Racer fans should be familiar with him playing Auburn last year, definitely. Good, good one in there, Sawyer. And let's go ahead and wrap up the junior class uh, with a guy that maybe some people on this podcast has heard about. Uh, number 55, DJ Burns, the only returning scholarship player from last year. So DJ is going to stand at 6'7 this year. He's a junior, so we'll have one more year of eligibility. And just the motor guy for the team. He was last year, right? He, he was uh, the guy pumping up the crowd from the bench, running out on the floor at, at the media timeouts after a big swinging momentum. Uh, he was a guy that was a heck of an offensive rebounder, right? Uh, I can't remember if he ended up leading the league in offensive rebounds, but he was always up there. Uh, but it's going to be interesting going forward this year as, guys, DJ takes a completely new role um, on this Murray State team, and, and you could just see he's – He's kind of taking the onus on himself as the returner to teach all the new guys the Murray State way and how that looks going forward uh, with his role as leadership on the team uh, is going to be interesting. But uh, from a motor standpoint and an enthusiasm standpoint, you heard it last week talking talking to the coaches. He's going to be a guy that doesn't matter. I don't think if we're going to be down 30 or up 30, he's going to be 110% all the time. Yeah, there's there's no doubt that, that DJ will be the heart and soul of this racer team this offseason, this upcoming season, and the fans just absolutely love DJ. His ability to extend possessions by getting offensive rebounds is really something that that a lot of coaches you know earn yearn for. They really want that on their team, and he's got something that, and like Coach Jackson said last week, got something that you can't really coach, something that you look for, and that's that toughness and that uh, that extra grit to go out and finish plays and and to to get on the ground and get dirty uh, when you have to. And I think this year DJ is going to have an expanded role within the offense. Um, I heard some whispers from the inner squad squad scrimmage 
that said that he might have knocked down a couple of threes in that game, not just one. Um, so if that's something to look forward to for the season, that could be something um, really special for him, uh, at least just to bring the defense out on him. But um, knowing that he plays tremendous defense um, is going to be a big deal for this team, anchoring the 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 post down low, having that division one experience. Cause I think that is truly important. Um, and I think that's the best thing about DJ is just the consistency. I don't ever remember him having a bad game all season. And if you know what you're going to get out of a player, that's incredibly valuable because I feel like availability is going to be the best ability for our front court this year. One thing that our listeners are going to remember from last year is we talked a lot about how DJ just did what needed to be done. He wasn't, he didn't care about all the the flashy accolades and didn't care if he scored a point, but he was going to go out there and fight and dive on the floor for loose balls, bring intensity on defense and get offensive rebounds. And I think my only concern is if he does have an expanded offensive game, uh, I just still want him to bring that, uh, that I don't care if I score or not attitude. I think his greatest asset is going to be bringing all the guys together. We need him in the locker room more than anything and just uh, having that leadership role because, you know, everybody knows all the coaches are new, but um, bringing somebody back like DJ that has that ability just to make sure all the guys are having a good time and, and have a good leader, that's really, really important. And so I'm excited for his expanded offensive role. We're going to need it. Um like you said, Sawyer, being able to space the floor in the Missouri Valley, bring those bigger guys out and uh, kind of get them away from the basket so our other guys can create and make plays is huge. Um, But, yeah, really excited for DJ. Really thankful that he came back from being in the transfer portal and decided to stick around and glad Coach Prom got him to buy back in. And DJ knows what it takes, too. They won 31 games last year, and that was no fluke. They were a really, really, really good basketball team as we talked all last season about. So he knows the type of work that it takes. He knows exactly what needs to happen to be successful at Murray State. And just being able to being able to pass that along to all the new folks is going to be uh, pretty important. And I will go ahead and fact check myself. He did not lead the OVC in offensive rebounds last year. There was this one guy that played. Uh, his name was Janai Broom. He had 112. DJ had 107. So Pretty close, and uh, I will take that uh, second behind Janai Broom, 100%. So let's uh, that wraps up the junior class, and now move on to the sophomore class. Uh, the sophomore and freshman class is going to be backloaded on our pray, on our players uh, this year. But a guy uh, that should be very familiar to Racer fans who've, who's watched basketball the last couple years, a guy that Logan is a big fan of, uh, self-admittedly on this podcast, He's going to be wearing number 13, lucky 13 for the racers this year. Uh, Kentucky's own from Madisonville, Kentucky. Uh, 6'7", sophomore from Matt, Tennessee Tech, Kenny White Jr. Logan, you're a big fan of Kenny. Uh, he's caused problems for the racers in the past. Uh, everybody knows that. A guy that actually lost the summer uh, from an injury uh, so to, to his hand. But I think what we've seen and what we've heard is he's made a really big comeback. He is he's put a lot of time in the gym, just a little behind the scenes. And hopefully it's OK. Uh, we share this. But we were recording last week's podcast with 
the coaches, right? And they were up at the practice facility in, in the offices. So, I um, mean, we, we ran until probably 9.30, 9.45 that night, something around there. And and we were recording, and, and Coach Anton would be talking, and I see Jack go back and look through his window in his, uh, in his office. And so once we got done recording, I was like, Jack, I see you looking back there, somebody getting up shots. And, I mean, this was 9.30 on a Wednesday night or Tuesday night, and Kenny White Jr. is in – the gym putting up shots getting better to play murray state basketball so how awesome is that right uh so really good to hear that about kenny but logan a guy you're excited to see in the blue and gold this year instead of the uh the purple and gold yeah absolutely last year he was kind of a problem for us we played games closer to tennessee tech and i think we uh said a couple times on the podcast that they weren't as bad as their record showed um, they had a lot of fight in them and him and junior clay, um, were always pretty good for him. Junior, senior graduate assistant clay. He's, seems like he's been there forever. He's still he's playing. Still, yeah. He's and, still on their team. <laughs> um, but Kenny, he, he's a player that I don't feel like we've had in recent memory. He, his size coupled with his ability to, um, you know, bring bigs out onto the the perimeter and he's too uh quick for them but he's also too big and strong for guards to guard him so uh usually you don't see guys with that kind of size and athleticism be able to shoot the ball as efficiently as he does um i i love this pickup kenny white i'm a big fan and just really can't wait to uh watch him play for the first time in blue and gold i still haven't got to see him play because like you said both times this summer we went, um, he had he had an unfortunate hand injury. But, uh, but, yeah, I'm really excited to have Kenny on board and expecting some fireworks from him this year. Sawyer, he's a guy that, that shot 46% from the field and 40% from the three-point line. You know, he didn't shoot it a ton, but extremely efficient. And what are you excited to see uh, from Kenny in the blue and gold? I like what you said there. I think I like most is the efficiency, the ability to shoot the knock down, knock down shots from the perimeter. Um, but also that length is going to be extremely important when it comes to Missouri Valley. We're going to have guys where he's going to be matched up in the four spot, potentially a little bit um, to be able to look, guard some of those um, bigger, heftier guys. I think that, that really adds a benefit to him um, when, he, when we have him on the court. Um, but I think for, for Kenny White and for really – any player that was in the portal um, this past year, Logan just talked so bad about so many players. I think that he and Jacoby were like the only two he said nice things about. So it's not really a, a head scratcher as to why they're on the team this year. But yeah, there's, there's no doubt there. I, I, you know, they didn't want to come out and say it last week when we were talking to the coaches, but on those two hour car rides back and forth from the airport, there's no doubt the podcast was playing in the background and, uh, I, I think it's pretty obvious that there's there's a reason that Kenny and Jacoby's on the team this year. And we'll talk about Jacoby here um, in a minute, but to, to keep on our numerical rundown of the roster, let's talk about another guy and our first JUCO player we're gonna gonna talk about, and he's he's coming way of northeastern Oklahoma A and M. It's a mouthful, right? So sophomore, six three, out of Kingston High School in Harlem, New York. That's gonna be. Mr. Brian Moore Jr. Brian's going to be a guy who's going to see a lot of time at the guard spot. Um, seems like a very, very aggressive 
point guard who's going to be uh, kind of teetering on that balance of pass and score. So a guy who who can distribute the rock, but when you need him to go downhill and get a layup or get a tough shot at the basket, absor- absorb contact, he's going to be able to create for himself just from his quickness. And a guy who really impressed us this summer um, watching him, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that translates because uh, we know we already talk we always talk about guys who look really really good in scrimmaging um, as a you know just a unorganized I guess I would say basketball and guys who really fit into a system so it's going to be interesting to see how Brian Brian plays as, as we've heard some uh, that he may not be in the starting lineup like we all predicted two episodes ago so uh, but I think a guy who like we talk about is a sophomore. And so got a lot of time to play Division One basketball in front of him, Sawyer. Yeah, also I think the thing that sticks out the most to me is just that quickness. Uh, and I think on the offensive end, just his ability to get into the paint um, and distribute, I think, would be incredibly important. Uh, I think that, you know, he's got that New York toughness we always talk about. Um, he really led the way for his junior college this past season. And I think that, um, I mean, he even scored 47 points in the game, which is phenomenal on any level of basketball. Um, but I think the thing that, that I would love to see the most out of Brian this season is really to sell it on the defensive end. Um, he kind of reminds me, he also kind of looks like uh, a guy who played at NC State a few years back. Logan, I, I know you've mentioned liking this guy, uh, Anthony Cat Barber, um, who's an extremely quick guy and could really ma- made his living getting steals and, and getting in the passing lane. Um, and I, I see that a little bit from him and I would, I see that, that quickness and that style of play. And I wish that he could sell it on the defensive end to be somebody like that. A guy who comes off the bench and is a defensive tear because Austin, like you said, he is so quick, uh, in his body, you know, he's, he's really, really long. Um, he's six, three, I think he's got, you know, a much, much longer wingspan. I think that, that I've read that for, uh, about him as well. And so I know there's a lot of the tools on the offensive side, but I think that he has a major ability to impact things on the defensive side. Um, if that can really be um, an ability for him to to impact the game off the bench, Logan. So one thing I want to mention about a lot of these guys that uh, are are on our team this year is they picked Murray State over a lot of really good and respectable schools. I know that West Virginia was on Brian, uh, old Huggy Bear wanted him to to play in that fast-paced uh style of play and i just tell you right now after watching brian brian Moore this summer if i was playing i would hate to play brian Moore on uh coach huggins team because if he was pressing me full court the whole time and then i had to guard him on defense that would be a nightmare he's just so so quick hard to stay in front of um you know watching some of his film he finishes around the basket really well over uh, a lot bigger defenders. I think one of my concerns with him was um, him being able to share the ball, being the guy at his JUCO, because he scored so many points and finished in such tough situations. Um, When you've got Rob Perry and Justin Morgan, Quincy Anderson, all these guys that can shoot the ball from the outside um, around the perimeter, even Jamari, um, I was just, you know, wondering if, that was going to play out to where he could share the ball with them. But um, I, I talked to Kenny Roth about it and he said that he doesn't have any, uh, any questions about Brian's ability to facilitate and because he's going to get in the middle of the lane. It, he's just faster than everybody else. It's just, it's kind of like juice last year. He's able to get in the middle of the paint whenever he wants. So 
um, being able to facilitate and, and kick the ball out to our shooters is going to be important. And if he comes off the bench, uh, so be it. We had Trey come off the bench last year and seemed like he was a big spark every time he came off the bench. So, um, you know, whatever role he plays, uh, he's going to be good for the racers. And guys, how many, how, how often do we, do we say this last year that it just takes the junior college player just one semester before it all clicks. And I think that, um, you know, with, with Brian coming off the bench, I think that'd be a great, a great opportunity for him to kind of sit back a little bit, get the flow of the game before he comes in and, and has his chance to dominate. Uh, like you guys said, you know, junior clay last year came off the bench. I don't think he started, but three or four games for Tennessee tech last year. Um, and he obviously made a big impact. I mean, we just talked about him for two or three minutes on our show here. And we're not even in the OVC anymore. So um, he definitely has the ability to, 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 to do some of that. And, and like we said, you know, we got to take a take a dose of our own medicine. Last year, we were talking about how we just need to relax with with Juice Hill because we just needed to, to give him a little more time. And, and what did he do? He was first team all conference. So uh, I think the same could be said about Brian. And um, with, you know, we're really wealthy at the guard position. So it's not like he's going to be have to be coming in and thrown into the fire where uh, it could be less than ideal learning accommodations. I think that he's in a very unique uh, opportunity to be able to really progress on a, on a proper time frame. Um, and if he is able to do that, uh, our team will be really, really deep come tournament time. One thing that I just thought about as you guys were talking and not to keep talking about juice, but being able to, to get into the, the paint and distribute, right. And I don't really know how many shooters we really had on the team last year who would go out there and shoot 30% from the three point line or better. I think we could probably count them on a couple fingers right and i look down the list of our roster right here and i think everybody maybe not marlon who we're going to talk about next but everybody else i would feel comfortable in knocking down a three-pointer almost everybody i would feel comfortable knocking down a three-pointer in a game time situation so uh, i think that's really going to open up his impact for for the racers this year as uh, there could be potential of 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 a lot of a lot of people on the on the wing, and if you're able to shrink that defense in, you know, give us a lot of open three pointers. Okay, as we wrap up, Brian Moore there. Um, let, let's move on to another guy who's, from all accounts, probably going to be our starting point guard this year, and another guy that we're all familiar with. Um, played just a couple hours south in Nashville, Tennessee last year. He's going to be a sophomore from Cleveland High School, Cleveland, Tennessee, six uh, two. 185 from way of Belmont, Mr. Jacoby Wood. Jacoby's going to be a guy who is played Division One college basketball at the highest level. He's played in a really, really efficient offense with Casey Alexander and the Bruins. Um, had a incredible freshman season, right? And and last year didn't see the playing time, uh, which didn't really make any sense to me because. Belmont wasn't that great last year, especially against the racers. And so he he's seen from afar what Murray State was able to do, especially last year was the with the dismantling of Belmont, but um, had a really efficient shooting stats, uh, shooting over 30 uh, percent from the three point line. But I think where we're going to see him this year handling the ball a lot more. And maybe that's not what he was able to do at Belmont. Maybe that's what. Um, guys unlocks his potential here at Murray State. Yeah, Jacoby's just such a solid player all around. He can uh, play solid, consistent defense. Um, and one thing I saw this summer, it was honestly tough to watch, and I hated when he did it, but he backdoored us in a uh, 
in one of those scrimmages. <laughs> and I, I looked at Sawyer and said, man, that just – it hurts to see, but I'm glad it's on our team now. We watched him do it at Belmont a bunch, and uh, he just knows the game of basketball so well. And in the two days that we were there this summer, um, he wasn't doing anything flashy, but he took care of the ball, and, you know, he had a tough defensive assignment. He had Brian Moore uh, sometimes, and it, it was it was just good to see somebody so composed uh, controlling the offense. You know, you have a transfer or a JUCO player or a freshman come in and run the offense like we've had a million times, and uh, it usually takes him a while to get settled in. But Jacoby knows the game so well, and um, he kind of reminds me they have very different games, but uh, his situation kind of reminds me a little bit of another Tennessee boy that all racers love, and that's Jonathan Stark. He goes off to play his first year in college, has a good year, and everybody thinks, okay, this guy could be the the next guy like Stark was at Tulane, and then kind of has a step backwards his second season. And uh, whether that be um, – you know, the differences with the coaching staff or just however they wanted to play. Um, you know, he start came here and got a new, a fresh start and, you know, ended up in the G league. And I think Jacoby, I don't know that that's the ceiling for him, but, um, he's somebody that is very capable of scoring and, and taking care of the basketball as we've seen in the past being two hours away from them. So, uh, like you said, Sawyer, we are loaded at the guard position and, making sure that we get all these guys involved and bought in is important. Hopefully um, it's not a committee point guard season. Uh, hopefully we can have guys settle into their roles and, and play really well from the get-go. But um, I, I'd rather have two really solid guys at the guard position at the one and two spot than, uh, than zero. So really happy with our situation with Jacoby and Brian. I really like Jacoby's game too. I think that, Kenny, I know Kenny Roth, whenever we first added Jacoby to the fold, was really complimentary in saying that he felt like he was underutilized at Belmont. And I think this is one of those situations where we can look back and say, man, what was Casey Alexander thinking? Because I think that when he comes and plays for the Racers, I think he's going to do really, really well. I think he's going to have a great three-year career here for the Racers. And we're going to go back and think, what what did he see in Luke Smith? <laughs> Another one of Logan's guys that he loved last year. Um, and that's going to be one of the – the questions he'll have to answer when he comes on the Restoration podcast one of these days. Um, so, <clears throat> but with Jacoby, to me, Logan, I, I see what you see in uh, with Stark with him. The guy that he kind of reminded me of was another similar guy that fit that same mold. Um, I think their games are more similar than what's what Jacoby's and, and Jonathan's were. But you guys tell me if I'm wrong. Kind of reminds me a little bit of B.J. Jenkins. Um, you know, a guy who will bring the ball up the court really deadly from behind the arc and really knock down tough shots. Um, B.J. was really good when he had Isaac Miles, and I don't know if we have an Isaac Miles on this team. Um, and, and like you like you mentioned, Logan, you know, in college football, going into the, the preseason, they say if you have three quarterbacks, you really have no quarterback. Um, and I hope that on this team we may have three-point guards. But we've got one that we can really, really rely on that can be the main guy, and I think that in this case is going to be Jacoby. You know, we've really never – seen him in that role before because they've had, you know, Belmont all-time great um, Grayson Murphy um, leading their charge for the past four or five seasons, four seasons. So uh, Jacoby never had that opportunity. So him coming here, I've heard nothing but fantastic things from the coaching staff. They really, really love him. 
and I think that he's going to be a, a fan favorite for the racers. Um, as a racer, I really think you can expect to see his uh, him unleash his athleticism, which is a, a version of Jacoby Woods we've never seen before. Yeah, and I think I mentioned it, and if I didn't, I'll say it just so the racer fans don't think I'm crazy. I don't think his game is like Jonathan Stark's. Um, right, right. right. I, mean, I, I love the B.J. Jenkins comparison. Just a solid, solid basketball player, high basketball IQ, basketball IQ, and you know what you're getting from him game in and game out. So, yeah, absolutely, totally agree, Sawyer. And to me, Jacoby just seems like that mature guy as, mature guy as well um, who can really be a leader on this team, and that's what you need out of a point guard. You see it year in and year out is is maybe we did have some struggles early last year, and it wasn't Juice Hill buying into that role as the point guard 100%. But then as you see, as we get on that role and win, win all those games in the OVC, is, is not that it was Juice's team per se, as it was probably always Tevin and KJ's team, but Juice really was the leader on the floor. So I think Jacoby's a guy who's mature enough to understand that and, and really take on that role. Also a guy who was Tennessee Mr. Basketball in 2020. Uh, that's something that it gets noted and and he's a winner there it comes from a winning program because uh, we you know you follow him on Twitter and he 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 still follows his high school Cleveland high school back there and he's uh, they, they they put out some good players for sure all right guy we were just talking about he's going to be coming to us uh, from way of Eastern Carolina University from Halton Prep High School uh, north of the border Montreal Quebec five-star Canadian player He's going to be 6'9", sophomore, forward, 230, big guy, big body. That's going to be Marlon Leston. Marlon's going to be coming with uh, Coach Jackson from Eastern Carolina University. So we talked about Coach last last week about what he sees in players and what he looks for and the eye test and everything, and uh, that gives me a lot of trust. If if this was a guy he thought of enough to uh, come, come with him, bring with him to Murray State, uh, he's – He's going to be a guy that that is going to take up a lot of space in a position that we don't have a lot of guys. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. We're very heavy on the guards and very short on the forwards. So I think Marlon's going to be a guy that that we're probably going to see on the floor. Uh, as, as we know, college basketball, especially early in the season, everybody's getting back up to speed. The players are getting back up to speed. The referees are getting back up to speed. And the whistles are going to be blowing. It happens every single year. We complain about it every single year. I know we complained about the Ohio Valley Conference officials, but guess what? A lot of those officials officiate Missouri Valley Conference games. That's just the the uh, the nature of the beast in, in college basketball. So there's going to be a lot of whistles this year, and probably open up a lot of playing time for Marlin down low. Guys, the first time I saw Marlin, it brought out the Kenny Roth in me because I just thought, man, this guy looks like a first-round defensive end uh, NFL draft pick um, set to make wreak havoc on the NFL. This guy is just built different. Um, he's really, really strong, uh, really thick. He looks like you know he belongs on an NFL roster. And um, for for him being here with the Racers, I think it's incredibly important because he does bring that physicality. He's going to be a big that you'll see. Uh, at least from a from a from a body type standpoint that you're going to see in the Missouri Valley Conference, so definitely a, a huge asset um, for this racer team in the front court. Like Austin, like we mentioned, that uh, we need 
all the the bodies you know we can get to 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 prepare us for the gauntlet that will be the Missouri Valley Conference. After reading Marlin's bio, I think he should reach out to Samsonite and try and get an NIL deal because that man's been everywhere. He had three stops in high school and uh, you know played for East Carolina last year. Um, and another funny story. We tweeted out earlier this summer that Murray State was getting a five-star recruit, and we uh, we were intending for that to be Jay Nemo, which, of course, came true. Um, but turns out that Marlin was a five-star rated recruit in Canada's ranking system, so that was pretty funny how that turned out uh, right after Jay committed. So um, Marlin, One thing I'll say about him is I can just hear Kenny Roth saying right now, you can't teach his size. Uh, Just a big, big dude. And uh, somebody that that needs some work down low offensively. He's great and physical uh, on defense, but needs to polish his shot up around the rim on offense. But he has the ability to be really important for us. I mean, the guy's only a sophomore. Um, We've seen what, all of our coaching staffs have been able to do with big guys. We typically don't get very polished big guys, and somehow by the end of their career, they turn out to be really, really good players that make a lot of money overseas. So um, Marlon's definitely got the build for it. Um, I haven't heard too much about him, to be quite honest. I uh, hope his work ethic is good because if so, if he's willing to get in the get in the lab and work, then um, – he could have a really good career for the racers. He's going to be forced to play some minutes this year. Um, so, you know, hope he's ready when when his number's called. You get a man like Jonathan Maddox in with Marlon Leston, and he is the one that will be able to teach him uh, the offensive ranks because that man is like the William Small of old. So he he can turn around. He can turn around big men for sure. Guys, that wraps up that sophomore class, and let's move move along. We've uh, just got a few more players left, and let's just kick off this freshman class, the highly touted freshman class. Lots of talent. We're going to talk about lots of talent with these next few guys, and, and let's talk about the guy who can probably jump and touch the rafters of the CFSB Center. He's going to be wearing number zero for the racers this year, 6'6 freshman out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, was a really important sign for us early last fall, a guy that we talked a lot about. Um, and, and he's the guy that I called. I said when we when we signed Jackson Edwards, that was the indication of us moving to the Missouri Valley as expanding our recruiting prowess to that, that uh, Midwest, northern region. So um, a guy that we're all really excited about. Uh, we've got to see him, uh, talk to him a little bit, understand his game some more. His athleticism is unbelievable, unbelievable, guys. I'm telling you, he he was just pulling off windmills like you make layups. It's it's crazy, and um, he's maybe a little rust, uh, rough around the edges. I guess is a good way to put it. But the potential in Jackson is is through the roof. Right before he committed, he played the Indiana State basketball tournament and won a state championship. And I think that, you know, we, that was when we, re- when we really got excited again about him because he had decommitted and was about ready to commit a, to make his commitment again. And all he did in those past those last few games was just make Division One high-quality highlight plays and just really show that he has, you know, the ability to be able to do some really, really special stuff on the court. 
um, at the Division One level and, and far into the, the future there or wherever it may take them. So um, a lot of great natural traits um, when you're when I hear them talking about that a lot in the NBA, NFL draft prep, NBA draft prep is, yeah, can this guy can produce, but does he have the traits to project to be a really solid player at the next level? And with Jackson, I think he checks all those boxes. Um, and I think that it was something that was really refreshing for me to see personally at Racer Mania was the first bucket he scored was an elbow jumper. It looked really, really good. Uh, I expected him to just be catching lobs and alley-oops the whole time. So um, I think that, like you mentioned, Austin, if he can polish the rest of his skill set, he's got the athleticism to be really special uh, for this racer team. Yeah, anybody can go on YouTube or Huddle or whatever and watch his highlight tapes and just see how athletic he is. Uh, one thing he specialized in high school that I watched a lot of was he just terrorized teams on the offensive glass, these weak side rebounds. He was able to j- just um, out-athlete everybody and um, put get put back so like crazy. Um, and we saw that a little bit this summer as well. He's just, he's just a freak athlete, um, call it what it is. Uh, I wish Coach Roth was here to talk about him because we talked a little bit about Jackson this summer. And he said that he went to the – uh, Indiana all-star game that the Jackson played in got to talk to him for a while and um, talked about how great of a kid he is and how much of a winner he is said he won the state championship comes from a winning winning program which is something that we prioritize heavily at Murray State so um, having that and a, a great kid that's willing to work um, is is great all right just moving right along with the talented freshman class that we have it's going to be wearing number one for the racers, six five freshman out of Fairview Heights, Illinois, uh, looking just outside of St. Louis. And so playing at Cardinal Ritter Prep High School here in St. Louis, a guy that's going to be an impact player for the racers this year. Um, one of our guys, go back to the podcast last year, listen to that um, interview with Braxton Stacker. Braxton's a two-time Missouri All-State selection a defensive player of the year, uh, led his team to a Missouri State Tournament Championship. Cardinal Ritter is an impressive, impressive organization here um, in St. Louis. Played for the Brad Bill Elite as well. Um, really helped that team and, and led them. And was a McDonald's All-American nominee. How many nominees from McDonald's All-American have we gotten at Murray State? Probably not a whole lot, if I were to guess. So Braxton's a guy who's extremely impressive, comes from a, a great family, and uh, I know he's looking forward to I know he's looking forward to coming home and playing in St. Louis here in a couple weeks. So um, guys, Braxton Stacker. We spent a lot of time covering Braxton earlier in the summer, talking to him just about all the great qualities he has and why we think he's going to be special for the racers. And another one of those guys I want to reiterate that Coach Prome was incredibly focused on retaining his commitment and he was a guy that never wavered from his commitment i remember we we messaged him over the summer and we're like hey man we haven't heard much from you where do you stand and he was like i'm solid i'm, I'm not going anywhere uh, a guy who wants to be a racer and i think that he's um going to be paramount to the future of our success in the missouri valley conference having a guy like that on board um from an early uh from an early age for in, a, in a transfer portal world is going to be incredibly important. Uh, I think that, like we mentioned last episode, a guy who we think can see starting lineup uh, potential this season, um, a guy who can really do a lot of stuff on the both ends of the court, offensively and really defensively. I think that this second unit for the racers could be really, really good. 
um, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, Austin, as you mentioned, uh, St. Louis kid, and being from that area, he had a lot of interest from Missouri Valley teams. Uh, and so picking Murray State coming into the Missouri Valley is pretty cool. Braxton's a great kid. Uh, love getting to interview him and having his mom hop on in there, hop in the interview with us and talk to us for a little bit was cool. Braxton, um, one thing that stuck out to me this summer was how most freshmen come in and they look to kind of fit in and accept the the low role on the totem pole. And Braxton did not look to fit in. He looked to stand out. But Braxton came in. He's got that uh, Morant mentality when he comes in as a freshman and wants to uh, really show what he's made of and that he belongs not just as a role player, but possibly in the starting lineup sometime throughout the year. Um, so, you know, we're stoked to have Braxton. We're going down through here and listing all these freshmen. And, um, I, I could probably say this to the end, but I'll say it now. We talked on the last or a couple podcasts ago about challenges for the coaching staff or questions that we have. Um, and I think we said getting everybody to play together. That's what I said at least, but I think a, if it's not the biggest thing, it's the second biggest thing is keeping these young this talented young core together and bought in because it, that's going to be so important for the years to come. We could be one of those Drake teams that, that we're looking at playing this year. That's got a, a solid core that's played together for a while. Um, so it's going to be super important. We've got such a good young class. Uh, just got to hope they stay together. Really great take there, Logan. And, and another guy who we're hoping going to stay together and stay with it is, is a guy who is, no stranger to Murray State, uh, 6'4 freshman out of Phoenix, Arizona, played at Brophy College Prep, had a great career there. Uh, I think they also won a state championship and uh, has a great AAU history as well. Um, like we said, guy no stranger to Murray State, Patrick Chu. When we, when we got to see him, I think Patrick, uh, we, we love to talk about Rod on this podcast, but Patrick may be the nicest kid on the team, Logan. Yeah, he's the nicest kid I've ever met, bar none. I just loved him. The first time Sawyer and I went, he came over and introduced himself. Big smile on his face. And the second time, I said, Austin, he's going to come over here and shake our hands and introduce himself again. Sure enough, that's exactly what he did. One thing that I loved about Patrick Chu was uh, after the scrimmages were over, he would go grab a manager or somebody to come rebound for him. He wanted to get more work in. And we saw that with a lot of the freshmen, actually. And so um, these guys are hungry. They're ready to play. And that's important, um, not just for their futures, but pushing these upperclassmen uh, to make sure they stay in the gym and stay sharp because they got some young, hungry guys on their heels. Yeah, tremendous points. And I think that I saw where he was already a student athlete of the week um, once for the racers this year. And the basketball season hadn't even started yet. So starting the season off on the right foot for sure for Mr. Chu. Uh, but obviously a, a tremendous basketball mind. Work ethic is there. He has all the tools to be an extremely successful student athlete um, and, and have a long career in, in basketball. It's going to be nice, Patrick, uh, to have. And like we mentioned, son of Isaac Chu, uh, who was on staff with Steve Prohm back in the day. Uh, 
coaching for Billy Kennedy. But um, it's good. You know, we're going to have Rod moving out this year, and it's good to keep the Murray State family attached here at Murray State University. So a guy who is going to be a Mr. Murray State, I could, I, I'm calling it now. He, he's taking the crown from Rod as Mr. Murray State after this year. All right, moving right along, and, and this next guy we're gonna we're gonna highlight is someone who's been talked about. Uh, Matt Leaf on this podcast already. He's been on the podcast already. He's gonna wear number eleven for the Racers next year. Six six freshman out of Memphis, Tennessee. That's gonna be none other than Mr. Justin Morgan. Justin's a guy who who's got an extensive high school career uh, playing for the Memphis Home Education Association team. Guys, how many points do you guys think he scored in high school? 2,268 points. What do you think, Logan? Justin's my guy. I trust him a little bit more. I think 2,571. I tell you what, you both cut him short as he scored 2,870 points in high school. That is just unbelievable. A guy who can pour it in. He played for Team Thad on the AAU circuit, EYBL. Um, Same team that. Another guy we've already talked about on this podcast as well, Jonathan Stark played for another Memphis guy. So, um, guys, we've got that extremely strong Memphis connection. It's worked out uh, pretty decently for us in the past, right? And we know a guy uh, in Justin Morgan that we were so hyped about that that stayed on. And another one, like Sawyer mentioned with Braxton, never wavered his commitment. I believe he was the first guy to come back out on Twitter um, after everything and said, nope. I there I'm 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 a racer. Committed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. For sure. So, uh, Logan, I know um, you think he comes from a great family uh, from from meeting some of them. So, uh, why don't you uh, talk about what you saw from Justin this this summer? Well, we've talked about it a lot, but uh, he's just a knockdown shooter. There's really no other way to put it. Um, both days that we were there, he, he hardly missed to be quite honest. There was a straight, uh, or there was a, a game where he hit five straight threes. Um, and really any time that the defense let him get a shot up, you could hear the defense saying like, come on, man. Cause they already knew it was going to go in the basket. Uh, he's that talented. I believe he shot uh, 49% from three during one of his AAU stretches, which I was telling somebody the other night, I don't know that I've ever heard of someone doing that. That's just, that's a crazy percentage. Most people, heck, we've had people that don't shoot that from the free throw line, and he's doing that (laughs) with defenses on him at the three-point line, and often three to five feet behind the three-point line. Um, Yeah, great kid, just, He's somebody with his shooting ability that can obviously provide a spark. Um, He can fill it up in a heartbeat and uh, tries really hard on defense. I remember we talked to him about this, but watching some of his film, he moved his feet pretty dang well. And, um, you know, wasn't really expecting him to come in and do that as a freshman. But in the scrimmages we saw this summer, he – he was uh, fine on the defensive end, too. So really happy to have Justin. As everybody knows, he's our guy. He's on our Mount Rushmore. Um, hoping to see him get a lot of playing time this year because with somebody that can fill it up like that, it's uh, it's hard to keep him off the court. 
another extremely high character individual, someone that's going to be a tremendous pillar for the rest of this um, freshman class and for will be a part of the the culture of this team, the backbone of this of the culture of this team for for many years into the future. And you'll think about it out loud a little bit. Having a guy like Justin and then Braxton and even Brian coming off the bench, that's a terrorizing trio. A guy who can knock down shots, a guy who can really um, bring a, a really strong defensive prowess in Braxton. You got Justin, like I mentioned, knocking down three-pointers, and you got a guy like Brian bringing so much energy and pace into the game off the bench. Could be a really tremendous trio uh, of, of, of endless possibilities of, of awesome outcomes um, whenever you have those guys coming off the bench. And and this is, like I said, a situation where these guys might be you know, considered some of the best freshmen in the whole Missouri Valley Conference, and they're not having to be forced into spotlight so early. They're able to be cultivated in an environment that will be friendly to, to their uh, trajectory as players. So I, I'm extremely excited for, for, for Justin, uh, for all those things that you mentioned. To me, I think the thing that stuck out, stood out the most seeing him for the first time in a while at Racer Mania was that you know, he looks, he looks like he added a ton of muscle. Uh, his, he just looked like a totally different guy and uh, is really – taken well to, to the college weight room and uh, not a lot of guys. Um, it shows so, so, so well their freshman year. Normally it takes a couple of years. Um, I think with Justin, you know, he's really maximizing his potential early on in his career, which just is a tremendous sign for the future of this racer program. We've talked about player comps a little bit in, in this uh, episode so far. We're talking about some of the other upperclassmen. I know it's, it's tough because Justin's a freshman and we don't have a ton of knowledge on him and I hate to put this on him as well but and he's not going to probably get the playing time that Tevin did but I could see a freshman year Tevin Brown comparison and as he's not going to have John Morant throwing him the ball that's for sure but a guy that can knock down just a plethora of three-pointers and you don't really ask a, a whole lot else out of him and and as Tevin we know progressed in his career at Murray State he added a lot more facets to his game right and and I can see Justin doing that as well um, as he transitions through through his four years here at Murray State so I'm out of you know Joe we joked with him that he's going to be the all-time leader leading three-pointer in Missouri Valley Conference history and like we said we don't want to put expectations on folks but um, I could see him having that that type of impact uh, for the racers this year. Last but not least, let's get to the uh, final guy we're going to talk about. He's going to be wearing number 22 for the Racers this year. A 6'8 freshman out of Harrison Central High School. That's going to be down in Gulfport, Mississippi. Another state, Mississippi, that has treated the Racers well over the years. And this is going to be Sam Murray II. Sam was a decorated high school recruit, um, a pretty consensus four-star across the board and a great pickup, late pickup for the racers. Um, he's definitely, you know, just from my opinion, definitely has a freshman body, um, really a, a stick out there. He's he's going to have to he's gonna have to hit up Baldy's Logan and, and get some pizzas in him to, to add some weight. But um, a guy who's got a lot of potential for the racers, and and you heard last week just how much work he's putting in, and, and that gives us a lot of solace as, as these freshmen. And, you know, like they said, you don't know when they actually get on campus and they have 24-7 access to a practice facility what, what they're going to do. But sounds like Sam's really making improvements uh, from, from both sides of the ball. He's going to, like we already talked about the front court and, and just the bodies we don't have 
and a guy who's really going to probably be asked to play um, some really significant minutes for the racers as a freshman this year. And, and what better way just to, to throw a guy like Sam out, out in baptism by fire, right? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting last week how we asked uh, Jack and Coach Antoine about who sticks out to them. And I think the first player they named was Sam Murray. And uh, talking about the work he's putting in, you know, we watched him a little bit this summer and you could tell uh, that he has potential. He's got an athletic build and athleticism that you can't teach. He, uh, I remember one time he dunked just inside the free throw line on a fast break this summer. Um, he's just a, a special talent. You go back and look at his high school career. He, uh, unfortunately got injured his senior season. I think he had an MCL injury, but uh, Scott Drew was after him at Baylor. Arizona State was after him. Um, LSU offered him, and I'm not sure if they all kind of got scared off because of the injury, but that speaks to the caliber of player he is. He obviously had talent, and uh, those coaches don't walk in the door every day. So uh, really excited for Sam Murray. And what's really encouraging to me is hearing from the coaching staff how much work he's putting in because if he's serious about his game, um, we're we're going to get a really special player. We need bodies in the front court, as we've talked about. If he can put on a little bit of weight and um, mature his game a little bit and keep working hard, he's going to play some significant minutes this year. I love that for in Sam's case that – the type of player he is is very, very different than the type of player like DJ Burns and Jamari Smith is. And I think that's really important because DJ's that bruiser around the basket, extremely physical, kind of the piece of the game, of Sam's game, that probably are missing. You know, you said that he's kind of a smaller, slender guy, but Sam has tremendous ball skills and is really able to stretch the floor and is a big-time high flyer. So I think that being able to go up against a guy like DJ and Jamari every day in practice his freshman year is going to be extremely important. I really like a lot of the tools that um, that Sam brings to the table. Logan, you mentioned that he was really, really highly recruited. I mean, Baylor won the national championship a few years back, and um, a lot of those coaches had had great pedigree that had already reached out to, to offer him a scholarship. Um, the, the guy that he kind of reminds me of, and this is a little bit of a blast from the past, but you guys tell me if you see it or not. He kind of reminds me a little bit of a young Chris Horton um, from Austin P, a guy who was really, really light on his feet, um, really could – Catch the ball at the top of the key, could get around a guy and finish at the top of the uh, finish around the basket. Um, and a guy who was a tremendous shot blocker and, and a guy who came with a lot of steals. Uh, who was who are two, which are two things that that Jack and, and, and Coach Tuan mentioned last week are two areas that um, they can see Sam really excelling. I think that I went back and looked at the stats and I think that um, Chris Horton averaged like three point six one steals and blocks a game over his career. And that's just truly changing the outcome of games strictly uh, from what you were able to do on the defensive end coming from um, the front court. So um, a guy like Sam is, is a very differing guy than, than what we've had in the past. You know, with with KJ, uh, he wasn't really a high flyer um, catching all the alley-oops and things. Um, I think the last time we've had a guy kind of like Sam has been like the Jarvis, Jarvis William years. Or maybe if you can look towards um, Devin Gilmore as a guy who who – really finished well was so efficient um not taking a lot of field goals but finishing uh, his opportunities uh if sam can be really efficient his freshman year i think that'll be really important to his development um because i think that 
the defensive side of the ball is really where he's going to potentially be able to have a, a huge impact. I know Logan didn't mention it, but Sam's a guy who had a really, really impressive high school tape. You can see uh, why, the, why those big-time coaches were after him. And, and if he could just unlock that potential here at Murray State, uh, that could be really, really big for us going forward and, and, and him growing as well. And Sawyer, great, great comparison to Chris Horton. I don't know if he quite has the height. I was just thinking, Chris, if he – it, you could just see every time he, we played him here at the bank, he did not want to play for Austin P. You could tell he wanted to put on a Murray State or another jersey. If the transfer portal was around five plus years ago, Chris Horton would not have been at Austin P for four years. But uh, so, did you have something? Yeah. So I actually looked up. Chris Horton was actually listed at six eight, and Sam Murray's listed at six nine, oh, um, wow. which is kind of yeah. surprising because I felt like I thought that too. I thought he was he was far far taller, but he actually is 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 a little. They're about the same height. The last point that I wanted to make on, on Sam is not really about Sam. Um, it's about John McCreer next year. But having those two guys be in a class so similar could really be a huge, huge piece for what we're doing in the Missouri Valley moving forward. If those guys are really um, what their their pedigree says that they can be at the Division One level, that's a front court at Murray State like we have never had. And I think that the, the opportunities for you know something really, really special – to be had between those two guys and um we, we look at a guy like john they they, they have similar skill sets i think they, they, look, they look very similar on tape um and having two elite shot blockers and rim protectors could be you know like i said something that we've never had or we haven't had in a long long time so that's looking ahead a little bit about sam a little bit about john but um looking forward to it regardless Man, great add in there, Sawyer, too. And I, I was actually had it in my notes to mention that the early signing period uh, just opened up. So not sure if we're going to see some pen to paper for, for John, uh, but that's going to be awesome to see him officially become a racer. And then maybe when we have some coaches on in the future, we can talk about him at that point. But, um, yeah, gosh, man, that gets me excited just for the future. Well, guys, I know that was a, a long, long time right there, but – I just think it's so important, and we all think it's super important. And like to just to reiterate what we talked about already, um, just to just to really dive into what what you're going to see uh, on the floor this year from these Murray State racers is is how they and we talk about them all individually, but uh, and you guys can echo me here in a second, but it's all going to come down to how they play together, right? And and what a what do they all look like when when there's five players out on the floor and everybody else supporting them on the bench and, and coming off the bench and, and adding minutes. I, I think there's a lot of, and it's going to be interesting how it shakes out. Cause I think there's a lot of, a lot of folks on this roster who could potentially see some playing time. And, and I think we're going to see that probably, you know, no telling what we'll see, what we see Thursday in that 40 point win or sorry, Wednesday in that 40 point win that Logan's already called, but um, what, what the different uh, mixtures of rosters uh, look like and, and the five players out on the floor, uh, it's going to be uh, very interesting to to, to see. So, uh, guys, any closing comments wrapping up the roster? Go Racers. All right, Logan. That's a good one to end it on right there. Uh, but not, not our typical Go Racers to end. In this in the in the show, we still got still got a couple things we want to talk about that that we promised at the beginning of the episode we can get to we would get to. So thanks to everyone for sticking around this long and and probably the juiciest news that that's come out of the last week or so is what looks like 
what it looked like at the secret, not so secret scrimmage this past Saturday. So we know from from our talks and also what what's posted online from Andy Katz as the racers traveled to Akron or up to Ohio. Sorry, did they go all the way to Akron? No, they actually played in a Saturday matinee um, against Akron um, in at Northern Kentucky University. So they kind of split the difference with them. Yeah, I figured that was probably the case because uh, I got curious and looked, and it was like eight or nine hours to Akron. I was like, there's no way they, they made it all the way up there. So glad they were able to split that difference and, and play a uh, – you know, potential future foe for the racers in, in Northern Kentucky. So knowing what that gym looks like might come to help us out down the road, but um, yeah. So Akron and, and we can talk about what they look like. Sawyer, you have a, a little bit more on them, but uh, tournament team from last year, right? And that's where coach Cole Christian was at last year. So you can see the connection there of probably why that game came about. And uh, you really want to know what your team looks like. You go play an NCAA tournament team that's returning a lot of bodies. Uh, and, and that's probably what Akron, the Akron podcast, is saying about us. They played Murray State, who who won 31 games last year, right? But but that would be a uh, uh, not an accurate description. But when we say Akron's a team that was an NCAA tournament team last year, they are probably an NCAA tournament team this year, Sawyer. Yeah, they return their leading scorer and then I think three out of the top five leading scorers from their teams. And their guards look like this. Grad transfer, or graduate senior, senior, junior, junior. So across the board, they're a very, very veteran team. That's something to really consider when we talk about what happened in the scrimmage because uh, they're not only a veteran team. They're a veteran team that won a lot of games last year. So switching to what happened on the court, I think it was really encouraging, I think, from our standpoint to see that the racers really battled, uh, a battle-tested team, and um, were able to, to play extremely even um, with a team that had so much success last year, uh, seeing that we um, are a team that you know has never played together before. And to see a lot of success early on in the season, I know it's a scrimmage, um, but I think that really bodes well for this team. I think that they faced a lot of adversity in this in this contest and were able to really battle back and uh, to be able to make it um, to, to give Akron a little taste of their own medicine um, before the season starts. So uh, without saying too much, I think it was a really great opportunity for the racers to to get together, um, to play together, to battle through a lot of adversity. But on the flip side, see a lot of success. As you refresh Twitter and you're, and you're flipping through and you see a lot of these um, scores coming out from these secret scrimmages, Louisville, Duke. Heck, even St. Louis University went into overtime with Bradley and everything like that. I think you have to take it with a grain of salt, right? And and it's a tune-up, and it's it's an opportunity to really see what you got. But in saying that, not to give away too much, like we talked about, but we wanna we wanna give everybody a little taste of what happened. It's extremely encouraging to hear how the racers performed, and I think it should give everyone everyone excitement going forward as. Um, I think we've got a team who does not like to lose. They're going to battle. If we're down 100, they're going to do everything they can to come back and win, right? And I think that's super encouraging, even in a even in a setting like a private scrimmage that you know nobody's even allowed to be at, other than the team. They want they wanted to show out and show why they're Murray State and really really test a. I'm not going to say Akron will be back in the NCAA tournament because you never know what's going to happen in the next five months. But I would not be surprised 
if they are not in the NCAA tournament again uh, for the second year in a row. So um, if we can compete and battle with teams like that, I think we're going to be just fine uh, going forward as, as we put this team together. Yeah, and just to piggyback off that, last week when we talked to Coach Jackson, he made a comment that all tournament teams are great teams, no matter if they're a 15 or 16 seed. Uh, they they did what it takes to get there, and they won the games, the tough games to uh, make it to the NCAA tournament, and that's what Akron was. So seeing that they returned so much production from last year, so many of their best players and are led by veterans that, have been around the block and are so used to division one basketball and that we can combine a group of guys who have known each other for less than six months and, and go and take them down to the wire. Um, really encouraging, uh, makes me feel a lot better going into, ne- into next week, to be quite honest. Um, cause there were so many questions and there still is, but we're not going to learn a whole lot in our 41 point victory Wednesday night. But, um, yeah, just, you got to think that the coaches and, and players, not that we want moral victories, but came from that scrimmage thinking, okay, we're onto something here. We've got, we've got something special that could be in place. Love it guys. And, and love the result of the scrimmage and, and, and how the encouragement out of that. Cause like we said, it could have come out completely different and we got our doors blown off and, and the coaching staff is sitting there thinking, well, crap, what do we do now? Where do we go? We're completely lost, but that is definitely not the case from from what we were what we understand and what we hear. So um, excitement going into uh, going into next Monday night. And that's what we're going to talk about now. Uh, November 7th, the Murray State Racers travel to St. Louis to take on St. Louis University, uh, member of the A-10 conference, a really, really good basketball conference. I believe St. Louis was picked to finish second in the A-10, a very strong A-10 this year. So, uh, you know, Logan, you just talked about going up against a tough, battle-tested, mature team, and that's exactly what we're going to face on Monday night, a battle-tested, tough, old, old in terms of college basketball uh, team in St. Louis. I think a little disappointing last year. I don't want to say disappointing, but but probably not the, the finish that the Billikens wanted last year, but they get back just about everybody, if, if we're being honest. And, and I think it starts for them uh, and Travis Ford's team with probably who they're getting back off of injury in Javante Perkins. And Javante is a guy who I think this is going to be his like sixth year of playing college basketball. Um, kind of what, what's happened on, on Javante's role. He, he's a St. Louis kid and that's going to, you know, once we talk about, and I don't know how many of the players we're going to get into, but if you're watching this game on Monday, you'll see a lot of their team is from St. Louis and rightfully so there's a lot of talent here as we know from, um, Braxton stacker and uh, slew's a team that, that, that was interested in, in Braxton and, and was going after him, but, um, he played two years at Southwestern Illinois College in Belleville, just right across the river there. Came to, to SLU as a junior, uh, third team, all A-10, voted sixth man of the year in the A-10, just played really, really well. Uh, his senior year, came back and uh, started all 21 games and led the Billikens in scoring. That was in 2020, so took his COVID year 
to come back. And then in the he was preseason A-10 player of the year and tore his ACL in the exhibition game. And so he was then able to redshirt last year, and now he comes back as a, I guess, like we said, six-year senior for the Billikens. And he wasn't preseason player of the year or anything like that this year um, with all the uh, obviously – not knowing what's coming back from injury, uh, what he what he's like, but it, it's hard to lose that much talent. So he's going to be a problem for us. He did not actually did not play in his, in their uh, game against Umsel. Uh, sorry, Umsel for for if you're a St. Louis guy like me, but that's a University of Missouri at St. Louis. That was their exhibition game. Uh, the Billikens won that 81 to 58. Uh, Javante did not play for an ankle injury. I think they were just keeping him out to be safe. I would be surprised if he's not against uh, playing playing the Racers. So Sawyer Logan going to be – when we saw this on, come out on the schedule, I was excited just from the location, as you guys know already. But I think we step back from that and think, holy cow, why did we schedule SLU the first game of the year at SLU? Man, I was thinking the same thing, Austin. This team is absolutely loaded. We were texting earlier today and – I said, I'm not that excited to talk about us having to go play our first game at St. Louis um, because looking over their roster, they returned their top four scores from last year. And if that's not enough, uh, I was going through there and looking and I saw Javante Perkins. He sounds familiar. Who did he play for? Did he come from a big school? And, oh, no, he sat out last year, but the year before averaged over 17 points a game. So, um, the richer getting richer, Travis Ford uh, has a great team. Um, he also got a transfer from Missouri, Javon Pickett, good point guard for them. He was actually an above average point guard in the SEC last year. And uh, so he's really built a solid roster. Um, there's a reason why they're getting top 25 votes already. Uh, this team, I saw somewhere on Twitter, somebody posted a, a poll of who they thought the top mid-majors were, and St. Louis was ranked third. Uh, and I think they rightfully so should be. Um, this team has the makings of a uh, – they they honestly could be a five or six seed in the tournament um, coming from a non-Power 5 conference, which is pretty impressive. They could be they what could we be. were last year, honestly. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um they're going to have a, a tough test against Dayton um, playing in the A-10. But uh, I don't know. Coach Kane, we may have to get him on the pod to talk about St. Louis, but he's going to have to do some scouting for that game. Uh, really, really great team. Honestly, um, I'm just hoping we can play hard and keep it within a respectable margin. I'm I'm not for uh, for moral victories, as I was saying earlier, but – you know, we played at Auburn last year, it said the same thing, <laughs> just playing a really, really tough team. This isn't like a poorly coached Memphis team that has a bunch of individuals. This is a really good St. Louis team that is a veteran cohesive unit that really knows how to play together. So really tough test. Um, we're going to find out what we're made of Monday night. Yeah, the, the Billikens are really, really good. Um, and they also have a, a first-team all-names team with Yuri Collins and Gibson Jimerson. Can't wait to hear Neil call those guys, um, call their name. Hopefully it's just not too many times. But, you know, we really could be seeing the best 
backcourt that we see all season in this first game. We might see the best shooter we see all year potentially in this game. It's going to be really tough. But on the flip side of that, guys, I always try to see it from an opportunistic standpoint. So what if this racer team goes in there and knocks off St. Louis? Wow. Turn a lot of heads. Um, so I, I look ahead to the, the St. Louis schedule. They play a lot of familiar teams we'll have on our schedule. Um, they play Evansville right after they play us. Um, they end up playing uh, SIU and Drake in the non-conference. So it'll be a good measuring stick to see how we compare um, with them up against some other teams we'll see uh, in the Missouri Valley Conference um, as well. So from a matchup standpoint, it's going to be really, really tough, Logan, like you said, uh, especially since we don't really know what – our team is exactly made up. We haven't seen them play as a cohesive unit yet, and we won't be able to see that for a few more days. So, um, but uh, like you said last week, Logan, you, you mentioned to coach to Coach Jackson that you know we don't have a lot of film on us either. So, um, and we've got you know hopefully a book on St. Louis, but hopefully we'll have a huge turnout. Um, one thing that uh, I've learned since becoming a, a little bit of a member of the Murray State Alumni Association is that I think St. Louis is the number one city in America. Um, with the highest population of young alumni from Murray State University, which is incredible. They're having a pre, pre-game party um, for the game, which will be awesome. And there's a good chance that a lot of blue and gold kid can be in the, in the stands, which will be great. I know Austin and another important member of our team, Brennan, uh, will both be there. And um, I think that'll be really, really cool for, for all these new guys to see that, man, this is our first road game, tough game, hostile environment. And we've got 300 fans there. That would be incredible um, just to show them what Racer Nation is all about. If it wasn't on a Monday night, it'd be a no-brainer for me pretty much any other night of the week. Um, but uh, with that still up in the air, if I'll be there, so glad knowing that we'll have um, two of the heartbeat of the Racer Nation podcast there. With that being said, um, that should at least bring the spread down a little bit. Um, Logan, this will be the first one of the season. Do you have a line picked out for us yet? Man, put me on the spot. That's when you're at your best. Yeah. Hmm. So many unknowns. But Vegas usually respects Murray State, um, even in football for some reason. But I'm going to go ahead and say we will be eight-point underdogs. I was going to say nine. Okay. Austin, do you have a take? Don't say eight and a half. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I, I, oh, I was debating double digits. Uh, I think you're oh, right. Man. Yeah, I think you're right, though. Uh, there's going to be a lot of those guys in Vegas who who just see the name Murray State and, and remember us back from last year and probably give us give us the benefit of the doubt, especially, you know, first game of the year. They don't want to go anything crazy. They're still trying to make their money as well. Uh, I'll go seven and a half since you said eight, and I'm not going to go eight and a half to split you guys. So I'll, I, I would probably say eight, but I'll, I'll do seven and a half to make it, you know, to 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 vary it up a little bit, a little bit. Um, but you know, sorry, like you said, I think there's going to be a good crowd. I've been texting everybody that I know that lives around here, uh, and and I think everybody says they're going. So hopefully, hopefully they come through with that. Like you said, uh, they're going to have that pre-game event. Um, let me look up real quick to see where that's at. While you look that up, you know, the, the first weekend in college basketball and college football is always 
in my opinion, probably the easiest when you're when you're looking at games versus the spread. So, Logan, we, are you taking the, the Billikens or are you taking the Racers at a line that would be set at eight? So, I kind of have a rule. I don't bet against Murray State basketball, the basketball team. <laughs> um, so, I just can't do it. I, I, if there's too many points, I will take the points, but uh, I'm never betting us to lose. So I would take, I would have to roll with Murray State in this instance. Just you shouldn't bet with your heart, but I would be doing that. But man, looking at our schedule, and I want to ask you guys this Texas AM has a lot of really, really good transfers. They're going to be a very good team. Mm-hmm. Is this game against St. Louis the toughest uh, game we've got on the schedule thus far? Man, I tell you what, and let me go ahead and put this in here. Vito Sicilian Pizzeria and Restaurante is where the uh, uh, Alumni Association pregame is on November 7th at 5 o'clock before the 7 o'clock tip-off. But I'm going to say yes just with the environment. Um, you know, we get Texas A&M at a neutral court in Charleston, and you guys know how that goes. Uh, I don't know what the fan base of A&M travels like. Probably not. Probably cr- weird. Yeah, probably weird. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, you guys know how those how those go. Like when we were last year down in, in, in Nipples, I mean Naples, um, there was 50 people in the gym. And uh, – so that's why I'm going to go with SLU. Uh, they've got a good fan base here and a great arena. And then with the racers uh, being in town off of their uh, our big big season last year, I'm just going to say just with the crowd and everything, this and, and there's going to be nerves. I mean, a lot of these people have never played a college basketball game before. So there, there's going to be nerves, right? And so I do think with everything stacked up, um, in that aspect that, yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say toughest test in the non-conference. What do you think, Saul? I thought I thought I thought so for the same reasons that you said. But now I'm actually leaning towards Texas A&M a little bit, because if if the game versus St. Louis doesn't go extremely well for the racers, I think that that could that that loss could linger a little bit. Uh, and the next time we really play another uh, foe like that would be against Texas A&M. And I think that from an a matchup standpoint, I think that I think that we're a little uh, outmatched against Texas A&M more so than we would be against St. Louis, for just from a personnel standpoint. Um, so I think both will be tough. Um, and Texas A&M, I think, has a great shot to be a dark horse this year. Logan, like you mentioned, they finished red hot to end last season. Um, one of the hottest teams in all of college basketball. Probably should have made the NCAA tournament. Um, we'll get into them and their and their their breakdown later on in the season. So I think they could they have a real chance to be a dark horse this year. That's the deal with Buzz Williams' teams is that he really struggled with buy-in at Virginia Tech. And whenever he had teams that bought in, um, like you could see back whenever he had Marquette going really well, um, is when they were really successful. So uh, I think that's why I would, at this point, lean towards Texas A&M. But I also don't want it to be a, a 100% agreeable podcast. So we got to. They got to make it fun for the for everyone. Yeah, and they do have the better roster. They got a great transfer class, guys that were, um, you know, if not the best option on their team, second or third best option at some really good schools um, to come in and 
on top of who they already had last year, Henry Coleman, Wade Taylor, uh, some of those guys. So they're they're looking really, really solid. There you go. If you don't want to be 100% agreeable, um, toughest test of the year, Lindsey Wilson, November 12th. That's the trap game between the SLU and A&M game. Watch <laughs> out. Watch out. No, just kidding there. Just kidding. But, no, great, great combo there, Logan. Um, I think it's a toss-up. Either way, we just mentioned the Alumni Association uh, with uh, the pregame or sorry, the yeah, the pregame meetup here in St. Louis. And, and one thing we wanted to get in as well uh, to, to shout out our our good buddy, David Moss. And and you guys know David from from the podcast last year of of Logan's uh, return to fame at the live show in Evansville. Um, that was an Alumni Association event that that they reached out to us to, to do and and provide uh, the, the live podcast, all the listeners and all the hundreds of you that were there. And that that really all came down to, to David helping us set that up. But but he reached out and wanted us to talk a little bit about the uh, the Alumni Association actually launched a podcast this year and they are in their first season uh, doing that. And they've they've had some really great guests on there. I know they've had Dr. Jackson on there, kind of like we did last year that they helped set up uh, to have on the podcast. So um we just want you know there's a lot of crossover from our listenership to to what could potentially be their listenership as well so we wanted to shout shout those guys out and let you know that you can find them where where you listen to your podcast just where you listen to to the race your nation podcast and so uh wanted to give everybody an opportunity to go listen to them not not from a sports aspect but from a just university aspect as a whole uh, from the alumni association so they do great work they put in a lot of work in the 100th homecoming they had a huge layout there at tent city um and uh, we appreciate all they do for for murray state university is the three of us are alumni yeah, and I'm glad you brought up David because uh, he also has the honorary uh, Logan's Listener of the Week this week. Let's go ahead and clap it up for David. <laughs> Mentioned earlier on the podcast how Patrick Chu may be the nicest kid I've ever met. Uh, I think David Moss is the nicest man I've ever met. He was great to us. Like you said, Austin, he set everything up. It was very easy. Uh, on a day where I was filled with nerves and very anxious to be in front of people, I did not want to do it. He set up everything and and made it as seamless as possible. So really thank David. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have to go check out their podcast. I know they're doing great things, interviewing a lot of great people. So thanks, David, for listening and and always being supportive of us. Yeah, whenever you, whenever you become an alumni of Murray State, I think it's easy to, or just in any university, it's, it's, it's incredibly easy to just kind of get distant from your school. But the Alumni Association does such a tremendous job bringing you back, feeling, making you feel like you're a uh, part of the Murray community, even though you may have drifted apart um, just due to your career. I know, Austin, I know you're you're not exactly the closest anymore, but I know that the Alumni Association really helps you in staying, staying close to your hometown, which I know is a, is a big deal. So they do a tremendous job over there um, in keeping our connection alive, which is so important, and we really love the work they do over there. Yeah, we are very appreciative of, of all they do for us and for the alumni as a whole. You know, they just came out with that new giving campaign, and I saw some money's already coming into that. Uh, good job, Logan. Thanks for taking some of your winnings and, and pushing it to the university. They really appreciate that. Um, but anyways, uh, whew, it's been a long episode, folks, as as our, one of our patented probably going on two hour podcasts. 
but uh, hopefully everybody stuck around this long heard a lot of good information a lot of good discussion a lot of good uh a breakdown of the players the um st louis game the secret scrimmage um, all that good stuff already mentioned that um, early signing periods just opened up so look for john mccreer and laurent rice uh, the the big guy and the point guard hopefully they get like we said pen to paper in the next week or so that's going to be great to see um, as the the coaching staff is is going after some some really really good freshman players well as we wrap up this episode now uh hope everyone enjoyed that big 40.1 41 point win over brescia and are looking forward to a big weekend of murray state football again and then game number one st louis university monday night at the chaffetz arena in st louis i think that's going to be on bally sports um Obviously, you can always listen on Froggy 103.7 to the GOAT, Neil Bradley, and our good friend Kenny Roth as well. I know I will have them tuned in pre and post game, driving back and forth on the app. I I, I use the Froggy app all the time, but obviously you guys around the area, 103.7, it's going to be another fun season listening to Kenny and Neil. So really excited about that and just talking about all that. Basketball season is here, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to be a college basketball fan again and a diehard Murray State racer. So as diehard Murray State racer fans, Sawyer, go racers. Go racers. Go racers.